Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and a video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're actually currently in Vigan. It's a famous historical cultural area here in the northern Philippines, about seven hours from Manila. And unfortunately, this area doesn't have the strongest Wi-Fi, so apologies if there's any internet issues or what lags. But hey, life as a digital nomad means you're never going to have perfect Wi-Fi. Uh, so on today's episode, I have a fellow Vancouverite on the show here today, a fellow coach, fellow entrepreneur, a fellow podcaster. Super excited to invite a guest on the show here today. His name is Lucas Rubix, and uh, he, he, his full name is actually Lucas Rubikiewicz, but uh, because of uh, obviously long name, he's showing it to make it nice and easy for everyone to see. There you go. Yes, Lucas Rubix, and he is helping people uh, create six-figure coaching businesses. So if you are considering, if you're considering getting into the coaching business, if you're already a coach but you're struggling to get enough clients or take your revenue to the next level, Lucas is your guy. We're going to be dissecting what it takes to, make, uh, to create and to maintain a six-figure-plus coaching program. So Lucas, uh, how are you doing over there in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada today? I am doing very great. I can hear about 25% of what you're saying when you face a problem. How do you turn it around to a good thing? So even you just opening up, this is what that digital nomad life and finding it is a great way to start that. So we'll do it again. I'm going to try to get most of what you're saying, um, but it's pretty spotty. But Give it a shot here. Yeah, you know, uh, this has been probably my biggest uh, struggle and challenge when we were traveling. A lot of people say, okay, Ricky, you're traveling the world with your wife, your three kids. Must be really tough with the kids. I'm like, no, the kids are the easy part. Finding good Wi-Fi when you're going from city to country to hostel to hotel to Airbnb, that has been the challenge. So, you know, you never know. Like, I was able to actually record a whole Udemy totally. course at the same place. I was able to do a coaching call at the same place. And now when we're about to do a podcast, it doesn't work. So there's so many variables that influence the internet. So right. like the location, the time of Absolutely. day, who else is on the internet, uh, the weather, <laughs> who, else, who else I'm talking with. So it's all part of, part of the, the puzzle. Yeah, like people are on it right Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, let's see how we go. So funny. Yeah, let's see how we go with the, the call here. Uh, and apologies to anyone who's listening and watching if the internet is a little bit uh, lagging or if there's any hiccups. Uh, so I want to firstly uh, get to know you a little bit better, uh, Lucas. Why don't we find out a little bit more about your entrepreneurial journey? So, uh, you know, like most of us, you probably were working at some point in your life in a corporate job and then you got the entrepreneurial bug, maybe from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, and now you're a full-time entrepreneur, a coach, and helping other people be coaches as well. So tell us a little bit about your story in terms of the entrepreneurial adventure you've been on. Sure. sure. I, um, and you let me know if you can't hear me if it breaks up too much. I really kind of got into it because I was always, even in high school, always rebellious, always getting in trouble, couldn't listen to authority, hated being told what to do. And then I had this habit of getting a job and getting fired very quickly. And I basically just went through jobs like people go through a pair of socks. Like it was just like a few months and it was just like, I just, I hated, I, my blood would boil when I was told what to do. I had a really hard time with it. Call it a chip on my shoulder. 
or or an ego or whatever, but that's just how, who I was. I wasn't that enlightened yet. I was just a punk who just would react, and if I felt something, I'd get all emotional and I'd spaz out, and I was a, uh, I was just figuring life out at the time. Anyway, and I think we always are, and I still am. But so I got, you know, say almost unlucky to get the job, but I ended up on the oil patch. Can you hear me okay still, Ricky? Yes, yes. Double thumbs up. Double thumbs up. You're good. Cool, cool. The reason I, I kept that job for about five years, and it paid six figure plus a year and a job because that was a job I hope I can cuss but that was a job where you could basically tell your boss to fuck off and you want to get fired it was pretty... everyone on there was like an ex-con or like just a degenerate and just sort of the rougher type of individual and I think that suited me well not necessarily because I was hype but because I think I was I could be rebellious and you got away, you got away with a lot it was the only place where you could yell at your boss and throw something at him and throw a hammer and still keep your job and everything went fine. And so I kept that and that's the only job I was able to ever hold down and I moved my way up. But at the same time, like I knew something was missing. I wanted to kind of, I, I knew I wanted to do something and I think a lot of people feel that and they just never go for it. Finally, I got so, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. I was extremely depressed. I think it's a pretty, a lot of people can relate to the stories I had. I just bought a house in Vancouver or an apartment in Vancouver, which is if you want or whatever you want to call that. And, you know, I had a car, motorcycles, whatever I wanted I had. Money was never an issue. It was extremely to the point where I remember almost feeling numb to human beings around me on an airplane. Like I just couldn't hold a relationship. And I had very little friends. I just had a really hard time. I see life through this. And when I think about it, it seems so crazy because everything is so bright and fun and adventurous to me now. I'm always smiling. But I think I probably did not smile for a few years. And anyways, it got to the point where contemplated suicide, tried to commit. Well, I had a loaded shotgun in my face and I didn't pull it, luckily. And I don't know if I would have, but the thought definitely... I got liquored up. But anyways, I was pretty much done with life. I didn't want it. And I woke up the next day after that experience and I started trying to figure out like how I got to that place of, I guess, pain and misery. Quit my job, did all that stuff, basically left everything. And I kind of started, I took two years off. So I basically just didn't work or didn't do anything for two years. And fitness out for the first time in my life I started feeling good about myself I started getting confident through fitness I started building and confidence and then it started forcing me to do things like wake up at 5 a.m. every morning so it taught me discipline it taught taught me the barbell was basically my instructor for life and that led to it Hulse who was just on my podcast but he's quite philosophical so I started kind of studying Osho and, and, and things that he shared on his on his videos and, and through him I started learning a lot and fitness became my life I got obsessed with it so I started a business like anyone else personal training and I went through the hoops built a figure personal training business helped other people get in shape got more into the mindset stuff quit that 
because I got tired of the fitness, started helping other coaches and kind of went from there and I've just been ever since. Awesome, Lucas. Uh, thank you for sharing. And, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that you're so vulnerable and transparent on the show here today. That's what we love to cover, like uh, people's journey in terms of both the good and the bad. You know, we've all gone through uh, moments of depression and feeling like giving up, especially as entrepreneurs, especially when you're going through the income instability sure. and you're like feeling lonely and no one understands you. So it can be very depressing. But then when you hear other people, oh, Lucas, he went through depression. Now he's overcome it. Well, I feel better and I, I can overcome my depression as well. Sure. So yeah, definitely great that you're being uh, so open to our audience here today, Lucas. So let's I will pick, yeah, I would pick, I would pick being broke or having financial instability and traveling the world and not knowing where my next internet connection is going to be. Or I would pick insecurity. Security is this made up human thing that we made up like secure there is no security you don't know if you're waking up the next day you don't know if there's going to be an earthquake like there's it's this false sense of security that a job creates or there's nothing wrong with having a job i'm not going to say there's anything wrong with having a job if you enjoy it but most people 80 percent of north americans hate their jobs so there's obviously an issue there. and i think that this made up security but man it is such once you let go of that fear of security or the fear of insecurity, and you keep latching on this stupid security, you will, you will, it's amazing what you will discover. And I think this entrepreneurship space has created this like lonely image of an entrepreneur who struggles, who, who no one understands. And I, I like that, but I think on the flip side, you get to choose. Every, like when you make it a choice to do what you want to do, yes, there's going to be financial insecurity and there's going to be all this stuff, but we're going to die. And if you don't fulfill what you really have inside you, whatever that is, you're doing, if you believe in God, but you're doing the universe and you're doing people and you're just doing God a huge disservice by not going after what you want to do. Absolutely, absolutely. Follow your dreams regardless of uh, who says what, right? Uh, it's very important, uh, you know. Otherwise, why are we living if we're not following what's important to us? And if we're not doing, absolutely. yeah, if we're not doing what we absolutely. are, right? Absolutely. It's not what we do, it's who we are. So you are a coach and you're also helping people coach. Tell us about why you got into coaching specifically and tell us about your journey as a coach. A lot of coaches, they also struggle about it in terms of figuring out what kind of coach am I? Am I a life coach? Am I a business coach? Am I a niche kind of specialist coach, expert in the area? Talk about uh, how you got into coaching and talk about uh, how that looks like in terms of your coaching uh, from when you started to how it is now. Sure. I think I got most of that. I'll, I'll give it a try. Uh, how I got into coaching, I believe, was your first question. And I got into it, obviously, through the fitness realm. So I consider myself, at first, a personal trainer. I taught people how to lift weights and how to do it safely, efficiently, and I helped build them a program. That was my first taste of coaching. What I quickly learned was that people's problems in fitness weren't in the how to do it. It wasn't in the, you can look up a website and grab a workout program for free. It's not that hard to do, but it's the actual doing it. So then I started thinking about how can I serve these people better because I could keep making them programs, but they won't see any real results as 
that's obviously not the issue. I, I, how many meal plans I handed over to someone or how many workouts I handed over to someone to only have them not do it and waste their money and, and, you know, and then we never got results astonished me. So I kind of set out on a mission to start figuring out the deeper reasons for people's lack of doing something they don't enjoy or trying to change a habit. So then I started researching books on habits and on changing belief systems and mindsets and all this. I got, I got obsessed with it. And I think that's the moment I became an actual coach and not a personal trainer is I got obsessed with helping people through the stuff that maybe they didn't want to admit they're going through or that they didn't even know themselves. So asking the right questions, which is huge for coaching. You're not teaching, you're asking questions as a coach. You're listening more than you're talking. And so I think through that, I fell in love with coaching and not necessarily the personal training, fitness, get abs and, and look sexy aspect. That did not interest me at all. So I think it was an easy transition for helping coaches market their business, get more clients. A, because I did it very quickly. I moved to three cities and I built pretty successful businesses. When I dive into something, I'm 100% in. I get obsessed with it. So I basically read every marketing book, bought every marketing course you could think of from the big guys like Ty Lopez to small, you know, the smaller coaches and everyone in between, Amy Porter Fields and Marie Forleo, anyone you can think of. I bought their marketing when I was first starting. I spent tens of thousands of dollars I did not have to learn it all and I built my business really quickly because of it and then it was just a really natural transition into actually helping coaches a lot of coaches want to build a business they know how anyone watching this right now just YouTube how to build a coaching funnel and you'll either see you'll see a video pop up that'll walk you through it coaching funnels are out there for free to download it's the fact that a you're not doing it for the long term and B there is some marketing know-how that goes beyond dialing in your message, making sure that it's relatable to the people. There, there are things that you need to put into place. So the linear stuff's not that hard. So I really got into that and then really coaching to the depth of, of the real reasons why someone wants to start a business and the real what it takes to actually carry it through because you're not going to do it in one month. It's going to take a little bit longer than that. So setting the foundation for actually building a successful business, which I think is 80% of it. Absolutely. And you know, uh, you, you mentioned you spend all of this uh, money and time, energy and effort so that now your business is actually successful because you went through that journey of learning and growing and making the mistakes and learning from the best because um, you didn't have to make the same mistakes that they made. And, uh, you know, obviously I recommend, uh, you know, people work with someone like you because you've gone through the trenches and you've made those, uh, uh, the, this, gone through the struggles, et cetera. So what tips would you have um, for people? Of course, who are, it never ends. It, aspiring it, it, it on never, ever ends. Yeah, Lucas, I had a question about uh, what tips do you have for people who are brand new to coaching or they're aspiring or they're thinking about being coaches? What advice, what uh, recommendations would you give to that person who's watching right now? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's kind of like when you approach, if I hear somebody say they want to be a million, I get, I get, I get cautious because they are looking at the outcome of something the actual 
point. They're not talking about the process of becoming a millionaire. They just, they want to be a millionaire because it looks great. A lot of people aren't willing to do what it takes to hit that, right? Or when someone say they want to be a famous actor, because I was in the acting, I was an actor for a while. And when I heard someone say, I want to be a famous actor in Hollywood, I, I get concerned for them because they are going to face a lot of pain because of looking at the outcome. So when I hear someone, I hear, I want to be an entrepreneur. And I'm like, you can't say that. You can't focus on, I want to be an entrepreneur because that's such an outcome-ish you can more you can't in my opinion so i think when a coach is like i want to be a coach they're looking at the question the wrong way around i think i would ask myself what kind of people would i really love to help what kind of problems would i really like to find solutions for and if you you can just start doing that every single day and helping people with their problem that you would really love to solve you will inevitably become a coach and Next thing you know, I didn't get into fitness to be a coach, but I was obsessed with helping my fitness people get better results. And through doing that, I became a coach and I, I can confidently coach now. So I wouldn't worry so much about the niche necessarily or what kind of coach you want to be. I would sit down for a long time, spend a whole day or a whole week before you start using a lot of your effort to build a marketing platform around your coaching and ask yourself what kind of problem you would love to help, what juices you up, what are you passionate about that you can talk about every single day and not get paid for it, and you'll become a coach. You'll become a really good coach if you can do that. Yeah, that, that's rock-solid advice. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, you got to uh, – there's a famous saying that says, uh, you know, find out what the world needs and, uh, you know, find out what, the, what makes you come alive and do that because that's what the world needs, right? And you'll be fired up, you'll be energized, and it will come through on your coaching calls that you're not just doing it for the money, you're not just doing it out of desperation, but you're doing it out of a point of passion, a purpose, uh, so you definitely agree there. So in terms of like the more practical elements of coaching, uh, obviously you need to get a funnel going so you get clients, um, you gotta do maybe some strategy sessions, I don't know if you do Facebook ads, so in terms of the actual sales funnel, to get leads and clients coming into your coaching business, what, uh, what do you do? What do you do for your own uh, business and what do you suggest other coaches do? Yeah, I think I got the question. Uh, yeah, so, the, so when it comes to funnel or marketing, I, I have a feeling that probably understands the basic concepts of a funnel where you have a lot of people and you them with something that would just speak to a certain hole and they come into your sales and marketing funnel you want to automate it as much as you can because there's only one of you as possible and at the end you want them spinning out either you know buying your courses like you probably do Ricky or buying your uh, a discovery call or joining some kind of coaching program or whatever that is that's a sales and marketing funnel I don't think there's just one way to do it because it depends what you're selling. I usually deal with high ticket. So coaches who want to a bit more of a high ticket. And so all we're doing is a really simple three-step funnel. And I do the exact same funnel. And then once you have the funnel built, and I can get into it if you like, but once you have that engine, I guess, of the funnel built, your only job is to drive traffic to it. And you can drive traffic to it through, you know, paid and 
free, which you probably understand. But like you're doing this podcast, Ricky, I do a podcast. I do paid advertising, Facebook ads, Google search ads. I do Instagram. I do stories. And my life revolves around my coaching. So I'm always looking for ways to get more leads, strategic partnerships, any podcast guests I get on who are related, I will, you know, guest blog or guest post on there. I had Trainerize on the blog, the CEO of Trainerize wrote, uh, and, and they, they sent out to their list of 80,000 coaches. I'm always going to get traffic into my funnel, but my funnel is very specific for one type of person and I help them get a really specific result. And if your funnel is too broad, you're going to have people joining it, but not really, you know, I get 40% open rates every single day, any email I send, I get 10, 15, 20% click throughs, which is unheard of for the most part, but my, it is only for coaches. And if you're a coach, you're going to get a lot of value. If you're not, you're probably going to unsubscribe because I'm going to send you a lot of shit. It's all value. I never sell. I don't really sell sales emails. Everything that you come into contact is pure value. If you're a coach, you're going to love it. If you're not, you're going to unsubscribe and unsubscribe because the message isn't for them. So whatever kind of funnel you build, it has to be, in my opinion, the way I teach it, is not just one way. I'm, I'm aware of that, but it has to be really specific for your audience. And the more specific you get, the less of a following you'll need. You won't need that many people knowing about you because they'll be quite loyal to you already. So you talked about the three steps. So break it down. What is step one? What's step two? Step three? Yeah, I can break it down in more. So I'll simplify it into three of a very short, consumable, biteable type lead magnet. I'm talking the, the cookie cutter, five minute or less lead magnet that will just, if you put it in front of a thousand people, you know, 50, 100, 200 people might raise their hand and say, yeah, cool. This is this kind of. This suits me. Now you're building a list. You're building not only a retargeting list, but you're building an email list that you can now send people to a webinar. So a webinar is designed to not even persuade, but really excite them, really build a relationship, show them how your coaching goes, show them what you teach, show them the results you get, build social proof, a sales presentation, and pushes them into a discovery call. So that's the third step. You get on the call and and that is it. Like once that is built and we can drive enough traffic to the top of the funnel, I find that that works the best. Better than just sending people straight to a webinar because the drop-off rate is huge. Put your lead magnet in front of thousands of people who relate to your message. Always be bringing them in or Facebook group. Whatever you want to do to get that first action for them to get in contact with your brand. And then on top of your content, you just have one webinar that drives them to your discovery call. Because I, I do everything through discovery calls because I have people in my organization working. I want to work with good coaches and I don't want to just sell programs. And, and, and that's not how I do it. Again, if you're selling programs, then you're just probably going to have a webinar to a sales page to sell your coaching for you, your program for you, whatever it is you teach. But I do it all through discovery calls and that's what my students do too. So discovery calls or strategy sessions are the key. A lot of people uh, I know and a lot of people in general, they're afraid of selling. And of course, on the discovery mm -hmm. call, there is an element of selling, right? You got to uh, talk about, uh, you know, uh, obviously add value during the strategy session, the discovery call. But at the end of it, you got to lead them into the coaching program. A lot of people have this fear. 
their hands get sweaty, they get nervous, they lose the, the train of thought. So what have you found works in terms of actually leading them through the process of the discovery call into the actual paid coaching program? That's a really, really good question. I like that. Uh, yes. So I, when I got into it, I had the same thing, sweaty palms, terrified, you know, I, I got to sell something and I read every sales book cause I'm obsessive. Every sales book started kind of Grant Cardone was my entry into sales, but then I read all the classics of sales. I had a sales coach. I ran scripts and I got a very low closing ratio on my calls. I got really discouraged. Finally, one day I said like, F this, I'm not going to, not going to plan this call. I'm just going to go for it. And I got on and I actually for once just listened to what they were saying. And I'm quite intuitive, but I just, I listened. What do you help with? And I listened. And I think when you approach your, we'll call it a sales call, but when you approach it with a that you're coming up with a solution to their problem. Both of you, the prospect or the client and you are coming together to talk about a solution. You will have much less anxiety and stress because if you do that right and you can actually show them the solution that you're offering, they will almost naturally at the end of the call ask, how can you help me? How do we do this? So if you can do that right and just ask a few right questions, which I, I teach and I don't, don't mind sharing everything if we have time, but get them on the call. Don't even worry about providing value or, you know, building a relationship. If you really listen to them and try to find a solution, and authentically, genuinely listen to what they're saying, it will be very simple. It'll be an enjoyable process for both of you. And if you can get to that point, it is not selling anymore. You will never have to sell. You made a lot of our listeners and viewers happy because people don't like selling. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm glad you, you, you went through that, uh, the sweaty palm syndrome. Uh, even for myself, I've been selling for a while now, but I still get nervous. I did a call just a few days ago and it was for a, a cleaning company. And I'm like, how can I help this cleaning company? Because I've never done it. I'm not in the industry. But then I look at like my skills involve not the industry that I'm in, but helping business in general, figure out uh, their marketing strategy and, you know, obviously getting more leads and clients. So I think that that might be a hiccup too. People feel they, they don't feel confident or they don't feel equipped or they don't feel they can help. Uh, any tips there in terms of the confidence element? Because there is definitely this confidence element to being a good coach. Yeah. You really have to do it is honestly i mean i can help as a coach who helps these coaches i can i can shorten the learning shorten that but at the end of the day it's repetition i can you can i don't i don't know anything about golf ricky i don't know how to play golf i've never swung a golf club i've putted if i wanted to learn golf i could go out and hire tiger woods if he's still around i don't know anything about golf but he sounds like a golfer i believe tiger woods is a golfer he could, I could, he could teach me every single day, but without, he could teach me in his classroom. But if I never go out and I don't like hit this effing ball over and over and over, he'll probably not become a very good golfer. 
So repetition and failing, you will, your first 20 sales call may all be a no because you, you, you never make an offer, you mess up, but if you record each call, or if you take notes on each call and you just commit to getting 1% better after every call, after every coaching call, I will take notes after a coaching call, which I have multiple coaching calls a day and say, how could I have made that better? And I will not go on to my next coaching call until I can be like, until I find one thing that I can make better and make sure that I keep getting better. Because I know in 10 years, I'll be, Tony Robbins will be gum on my shoe. If, if you know, he will, I will be coaching Tony Robbins. Like I, I'm capable of that. And I think 1% a day for a long time will, you're, it's inevitable that you'll become the best. But you have to do the actions. You gotta, you gotta make the mistakes, but learn from them. Absolutely. There's a term in Japanese, the Kaizen principle, right? Kaizen, the constant, continuous improvement. Great. Yeah. I loved your whole strategies about, you know, like recording the call, listen to yourself. You'll realize even when you're actually doing the call, you'll realize the mistakes you made. You jump to the price too quick. Uh, you you uh, tried to sell instead of serve. You didn't have to ask any questions. You didn't listen. And so basically doing the opposite of everything you're saying that you should do is what will lead to failure. Uh, so I'm curious to know about, yeah, I'm curious to know about the length of the program and also the pricing. A lot of people, when they're coaching, they might start with the hourly rate. But I, I think, uh, as you probably uh, have discovered, it's much better to sell them into a, a program, not only for your own money side of things, but in terms of the degree and the amount and the quality that you can help them. The longer you work with someone, the more you can help them. Uh, so talk about the length. Is it one month, three months, six months, a year? And also the rough pricing for a three-month, six-month, or year program. Yeah, I, th I think it all comes down to listening to your clients and seeing what they really need. So if you have a, if you are a, I have someone in my program who's an author, who's learning, who's teaching, who's building a, excuse me, 12-week program to help experts build, like, write, publish, and give out their first expert-type book, like their first book on their topic or whatever. And we came up with 12 weeks because you can't do it in four weeks. That's a too short period of time. Anything past 12 weeks, 16, and, and 20 weeks or, or half a year gets to, like, kind of unnecessary. So we just find what's best for the client and teaching someone how to – I don't know how to how to fold clothes, you know, professionally to make it perfect for them or something. I don't know, making that up. That could probably be taught in two days. So my programs would probably be an all intensive in person event for two days, all inclusive. I'm going to teach you how to fold clothes, iron it, and put it away. And in two days, you're going to be an expert. And there's really no need probably for more unless you have you know, value ladders and, and now you're going to teach people how to make their own clothes or something. I don't know. But so I think for most people to make change 90 days, I don't think any coaching program for the part should be less than 90 days or you'll probably be doing your people a disservice. I think there is a time and place if you're doing, you know, a six month program or a 12 month program, there is a time and place. I don't go to that length. I, my coaching clients will sometimes stay with me. I do a minimum of three months for everything. After three months, you are free to go on your own. I don't try to keep you. I will try to, we will try to hammer and teach. Most people stay for about four to five months because three months is just not enough. 
we almost have it done and we stay for another month. Some of them start making quite a bit of money and they keep me on more of a consultant. So I stay with, they stay with me for longer. I have one guy, he's been well over 12 months now or 14 months that he's been with me and he's doing great. He's crushing. So, so I think your coaching program depends on, you have to have a minimum. You can always have a minimum. I like the idea of having a three month or a five month minimum. After that, they can choose to work with you on a monthly basis or you can sell another package to keep them going. Just depends what space you're in and what, you know, what, what, what kind of results you're getting, what, what you're doing for the person. And uh, Lucas, uh, talk more about pricing too, because a lot of people, they don't know where to start when it comes to pricing. So some people started at like 50 an hour, 100 an hour. Uh, like, would you recommend uh, charging per session, per program, in terms of results? Where do you start with yeah. pricing and how do you set up the correct pricing for your particular program? Great. I think everyone will have a different, it's funny, I was just on a podcast talking about this exact same thing. I, I think it's, people have their own, if you ask, if you line up 20 people on the street and you ask them, what are you worth? If you could take your self-worth or what is your time worth to you per hour, you will get some who say $20 an hour and they'd be happy. They think their time is worth $20 an hour and they will have a hard time asking for more because their beliefs are still they're a $20 an hour earner and they'd be really happy with that. I think we can relate to that. When we first got our first job, $8, $6, $12 an hour, whatever was like, that's pretty good because that's, that's our skills and that's, that's what we can provide in the marketplace at 16 years old or whenever you got your first job. Like I, I, you know, I worked pretty young and I think I was making about $18 an hour, which was huge money. I was working construction as like a 16 year old for family friends. And I think as you evolve your, like I would not, if someone said I would pay you $200 an hour, I would have a really hard time accepting that right now. And because my time is not, if I can, if I leverage my time, I can help 10 people at 200 each. And I will be like, okay, my time, which is limited on this planet is worth that. I will not work for less than that. Because I built the skill set to get people dramatic results really, really quickly. Not saying I'm too good or I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm, you know, like $200 an hour, whatever. I'm not saying that, but when I, when you put your time in over a really long period of time, you will, your self-worth will raise. And I guarantee you, I could not get Bill Gates, who is, I'm sure, quite humble, quite a nice individual. Well, I'm sure he doesn't have a crazy chip on his shoulder, but if I said, hey, Bill, I'll pay you 500 bucks. Can you come help me for an hour? He would most likely say no because he's working on much bigger things and that's, it's not worth it. Does he help people for free? If he's on the street and he sees someone stumbling, does he go up and help them and, and help them across the sidewalk? Probably. Like it's not that he's too good to help, but when it comes down to a financial number for your time, that's going to, that's going to change. So I would start with what you're comfortable. If you're a 20 year old and you tremble at the thought of asking for $50 an hour, you'll probably have a hard time selling your coaching. So my baseline is to find what someone thinks they're worth, $50, $100, or $1,000 an hour. If you are comfortable looking someone in the eye and saying, this is what I'm worth, then most likely you're worth that. You find out how much time you're spending for someone. You find out how much extra value you're stacking on. So if you have a program, downloads, worksheets, workbooks, whatever, 
and you can kind of base your price around that. But if I just tell someone sell that for $5,000, but they can't even fathom selling it at $5,000, I would be helping them rework that beliefs and starting small. They don't want it. It's fine, but I, I can't give you a discount. Like I'm already, you know, this is what it's worth. And I'm confident in that. So I would start with what you're comfortable at, not, not trying to dance around this question, but I would find what you're comfortable with, what you can look somebody in the eye and sell, and start there and make it a rule that after the first five sales, you're gonna double your price. After those next five sales, you're gonna double your prices until you, the prices is made up, like it's not really even based. Why Rolls Royce can sell a Rolls Royce for $500,000 and like it's not worth $500,000, but you get a booklet, and you get a membership, and you might get a helicopter ride, and you get a Rolls Royce watch, and all of a sudden it's worth half a million dollars. They made it up because they worked their way up, and they're marketing, and there's a whole bunch of reasons for it, but it's kind of made up, like what you believe you're worth, what you will get. Yeah, no, I love your advice there, because there is no exact number for every coach in, under the sun, right? So obviously, you got to work at, uh, you know, how experienced you are, how much of expertise you have, uh, what level are you comfortable at, and also on the client's budget, right? So you got to kind of look at all those variables and then come up with that Absolutely. solution based on the budget, based on your own expertise, and uh, based on your comfort and confidence as a coach as well. Uh, so one of the other questions I have is, Private versus group. Uh, a lot of people, they might start off uh, doing one-on-one, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, doing a coach per client. But then you might do a small group model where it's like an eight-week program with six to eight students. Uh, walk us through the differences between a private coaching model, a group coaching model, and the pros and the cons to both models. Yeah. Hey, that's a good question. So I would have, I'll explain it like this to save some time. Maybe I would explain that one-on-one -on -one and group are both great modalities and great, great uh, platforms for helping somebody get amazing results. If you're just starting, then trying to fill a group coaching program may be difficult because you'll have to make 10 times the amount of sales to fill up all your spots and make it worthwhile. So that's the only reason I would say start with one-on-one -on -one, unless you're an expert already, you've been, you built a huge following and you've been doing this forever, but you've never monetized on it. And now you might be like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna start a group because it's easy to fill. But most coaches will start one-on-one. -on -one. I would say once you're full on one-on-one -on -one and you have no more time to help with one-on-one, -on -one, then I would work on, okay, what's the curriculum I can build? What's the common denominator of everything I've helped people with? What's a 12-week curriculum or 12-week course I can build? Get to work building on that. And as people are trying to work with you and as you're building your list, and if you're full in one-on-one, -on -one, then you obviously have the marketing and you're filling up your coaching. Now it'll be pretty easy to launch a boot camp, launch a group coaching, launch a program, and get 10 spots filled up because you've already turned so many people away from your one-on-one that to fill up your first program would be quite simple. But to try to launch a group coaching program without being in your industry for an years can be difficult unless you know, you do a launch sequence and you spend a lot of money up front and you, you build a big list and then you, you know, you put us on filling up your course or whatever. Yeah, but it's, it's a lot harder. And I would, I always recommend starting one-on-one -on -one because you only need to work with six people to make it you know, more cash than most people make. 
uh, you know, working full time, depending what you're charging, of course. Yeah, great advice, great advice. And there's no reason you can't do both. You can do both private 101 for those who can afford it. And of course, you can do group for those who maybe have a more limited budget. And, uh, you know, they like more of that group dynamic, the accountability, the interaction. Uh, so curious to know yeah. uh, about how you're able to help people because, uh, you know, you've added so much value here on our show and people might want to take the next step with you uh, in terms of uh, getting enrolled in your coach's university, uh, you know, doing the VIP intensive. Uh, listen to your podcast. Tell us about what services you offer uh, aspiring new and coaches who want to take the coaching program to the next level. How can you help them? Yeah, I got, I got a, uh, it's, it's a course I have for free. I give, you can call it a lead magnet if you like, but it actually does get drastic results. I've had people emailing me that have built their first bit of momentum, a few clients from this free course. So I give that out for free. That's at lucasrubix.com. I have group coaching, which is through the Coaches University. That's a 12-week program. It, it starts on the first of every month. Enroll, and it basically you leave with with nothing, and you leave with a full coach business. All the all the all the all the structure of a coaching business. Ads, you're driving traffic at the top of your funnel, and you're getting discovery calls at the end. That's basically what you can accomplish in those 12 weeks. And then for anyone looking for either have a coach to build some momentum or they have the resources to get more one-on-one -on -one help. They get the coaches university. Plus they get one-on-one -on -one basically every single day hanging out. I'm sending voice notes to my private one-on-one -on -one clients and it's a pretty intimate, it's probably most intimate one-on-one -on -one coaching meeting. I'm not just saying that because it's mine, but I've joined a lot and they are not, they've scaled that they're not able to I would love unless you're paying 10 grand a month so I, I, I basically vowed to keep that we have we have parameters of when they can contact me but if you do you're getting a voice note or an email or we're jumping on a call pretty quickly so I, their business like my business help build it so really it's just group and, and one-on-one is what I offer plus the free course yeah, yeah, I definitely recommend uh, people uh, jump on board, especially the, you know, like that uh, group program sounds perfect because a lot of people who are new, they're going to have the exact same questions, you know, some of the questions I asked you on the podcast, but more personalized questions. Of course, need. of course. So, yeah, you know, that three-month group coaching program is a perfect solution to new aspiring uh, coaches, also struggling coaches who are maybe just not sure what's going wrong and, and why they can't take it the yeah. next Yeah, and it's great because there's, when I'm, I love most proud of is there's coaches from all life and sometimes I'll see someone struggling with an aspect of let's say life that I'm not qualified to help them with or that I'm necessarily an expert in. I'm gonna help you build your business and your marketing that's that's what I do. Plus we dive into the deeper belief pattern is things that we need to dive in. But I had a mom on the course who was struggling with some mom guilt. She wasn't spending much time with her family because she was so building her business. And there was a coach in there who specialized in that one exact thing of helping moms overcome mom shame. She's built three of her successful businesses and now she's starting this. So it's cool to start seeing coaches connect and use each other's throughout the 12 weeks. Help, you know, there's depression, there's coaches who specialize in depression, there's coaches who specialize in health and fitness. 
these experts in one area, they're all building a business together, but they all specialize in something else. And there's in the program right now, she's helping everyone get ideas for writing their own books. And so everyone just kind of gets together. And it's this really cool, I guess you can call it synergy or this really cool collaborative element to it, which I'm really proud of. That's like, I get really excited when I see them getting together and working on their own projects. Yeah, absolutely. And you are the catalyst for that connection and catalyst for that collaboration. So, of course, you take great joy and pleasure in it as well. Uh, so, in conclusion here, Lucas, you obviously have your website, your social media, you have your podcast, you got your free course. Uh, tell us about the different ways that people can connect, reach out, and get more support and help. It is on Lucas Rubik's, the website's Lucas Rubik's, R-U-B-I-A.com, Instagram's Rubik's, you can search Rubik's in Google and you'll get a lot of resources, but probably the best way would just be LucasRubik's.com and jump on the free six-figure coach academy, it's free, check that out, if you don't like it, I don't make any offers, if you don't like it, you can opt out, and if you like it, you'll, if you take action on what I teach you with the free course, you forward, and then if you want more, I, I offer it. But if that's enough to get you going, then I'm happy with that. The podcast is newsrubics.com. Some pretty cool guests, and yeah, perfect. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, it was a great interview in terms of all the content. So just hope that we had the good Wi-Fi to record it all. So thanks again for being on our show here, Lucas. And I wish you the best. And I look forward to meeting you in Vancouver when we meet there. Thanks, Lucas. Absolutely. I'll be happy to connect. Thanks, Ricky. You're awesome. Yeah. And thanks everyone for tuning into this episode. Once again, apologies if there was any Wi-Fi issues, but hey, this is all part of the digital nomad journey. Uh, thanks everyone. And make sure you reach out to Lucas. Make sure you reach out to us. I will catch up with you guys in the next episode. Happy travels and happy coaching.